It's not that big beer is bad. It's that big beer is big beer, and this is what they do. And you know, yeah. and that's he made the comparison to the Borg, and it's you don't get angry at the Borg because the Borg is the Borg. You just resist the Borg. Hey, pass me a beer. Look, at least promise me you won't drink. Alcohol always leads to trouble. Hey, who wants to play drink the beer? Right here. <laughs> you win. All right, what do I win? Another beer. Just have a cup of coffee. Beer it is. Coffee. Beer. I'd kill for a beer. <gasps> Cheap beer and a sympathetic ear. Step yep, right, right up. Uh, but what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us. Another beer apps episode for your ear holes. I, of course, am your lovely host, Adam. <laughs> Uh, and just across the cheddar curtain, we have Chad. What's up, bitch tits? Hey, what's up, boys? How you doing tonight? Oh, man, I forgot the new sound effects, too. Uh-oh. My name is Chad. There we go. <laughs> I love that one. That's one. Uh, and, of course, sitting right across from me. It's Jake from State Farm. What's up, Jake? Obviously. I didn't know it was Cubs hat night. Somebody sent me the memo. Well, the Bears are <laughs> over, so now it's switch over to the Cubs hats. And Chad actually just ordered a new Cubs hat. Ooh, I did, because yeah. this hat, well, I can't show because that, well, it's all salty, sweated. Okay. So salty. It's, so this is going to be my new shop garage hat, so I had to order a new Cubs hat. That's today. your Cubs sequence hat? Yeah. Because <laughs> my balls was hot. No, it's all salty. My balls was hot. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, everybody, thank you for joining us. We have a very special episode uh, for you. It's our first ever interview of a person, of a human, and... Uh, uh, so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but first, of course, as we always do, we have to go over to to uh, Jake. It's Jake from State Farm. He's got to do our rules of engagement, Jake. Sounds hideous. <laughs> All right, boys and girls. Well, tonight she we got uh, well, Scarlet so. Fire from Tighthead Brewery. And that is in Mundelein. You can hold it up for the camera, but nobody can see it. Oh, yeah, right. So. What am I? I'm just holding it up for nothing. <laughs> well, they're not going to be able to watch my sniff. Nope. So, yeah, we'll pop this open. Um, I, You know, they got some art going on in the can. We'll probably they throw a shout cool out artwork. to that. I do like yeah. their artwork. And then uh, take a nice little sniff and uh, see what we got going on here. And this is, remind me, is this a... Uh, a red ale. A red ale. Ooh, I like red ales. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll get some initial impressions, go around the horn here, see what we're tasting, see what we're smelling, uh, get an initial rating there. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, hit some beer stuff, come back at the midpoint. I mean, we do have a 16. Well, this is a pint, right? Pint, yep. Oh, yeah. I'm going to crush this. We'll come oh, back yeah, around yeah. Uh, eight ounces, yeah. eight, nine ounces there and get a, get a halfway point. And then uh, we'll finish it off with the final rating on Untapped. And if you're not following us on Untapped, then, uh, well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and what is wrong with you? Nicely done. A lot. Is Trump turning our, our frogs gay? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, oh, he's giving them whoppers. <laughs> yeah, right. He's giving them whoppers. Um, so, yeah, we do have a beer from Tighthead Brewing out of Mundelein, Illinois. Uh, kind of a local brewery for us. We've been to several times. Um, like Jake said, Scarlet Fired is a red ale, an Irish-style red ale named for the improvisational transition of Grateful Dead song, Scarlet, uh, whatever. Um, it's really got some really cool artwork. It is a five, 5.6 uh, ABV, 30 IBU. Yes, Jake, we know they don't matter. And um, That's not what I said. It doesn't, not that they don't matter. It doesn't matter. I just think there's a look. Season two, you can't take it back. It's already in the books. What people are supposed to assume when they see it. It's Whatever. mismarketed. All right, let's crack it open, boys. Let's go. I love Tighthead's logo, the football on fire. It's not a football. And what is it? Uh, is it rugby. a rugby, rugby ball? Yeah, Tighthead is a rugby, rugby. term. 
Okay. The, uh, rugby. The founder owner of Tighthead, he was very big into rugby in his high school college days. And uh, so he, he kind of kept that theme once he did the burger. Nice. Well, I just, I've been there a couple times and I just learned something new. I didn't know that before. Yeah. And uh, the artwork is awesome. Hot chick with the hop dress. We'll have, to, like look, we'll have to look up who does their artwork because all their artwork is of the yeah. same kind of, you know, style, I guess is the right word. So. Yeah, chili water is probably one of my favorite cans ever. It's a, it's a. I had that beer the other day on on draft, and I could, I didn't remember how sweet it was, but it was it's really good. So uh, I smell, almost bought it again today. Yeah, it smells like a red ale for sure. Yeah, their artwork uh, reminds me of what I would call like a um, what do you call it? Like a graphic novel type of yeah. artwork, or or call. what my wife would say, "Why are you reading a comic?" Um, <laughs> but but really high quality. You know what? You're like my wife when you get in space. You just get lost. Perfect. Uh, so, of course, being a red ale, it is red. Uh, head that kind of dissipates nice and quickly since we've got to be more descriptive since we're not putting this on YouTube today. Um, smells like a red ale. Like, I don't I mean, there's really nothing, you know, when you smell it. That's what a red ale smells like to me. Kind of malty, not boozy. Yeah, not boozy. No, smells five good. point. Yeah, yeah, as you said, five point six ABV. I mean, there is. What am I getting there? I mean, is it grapefruit? I'm getting something, a little tartness when I smell it. Am I? Am I crazy? I don't know. You could be. It's probably I, I, your nose. Almost like a. Yeah, I don't know. I'm getting like a, a tart berry grapefruit on the on the very mm. on the front end. That's a weird one. Well, I'm, I'm, I get I get more of a sweet smell. I'm. I would get more of a. Hey, I'm thirsty. Let's drink this smell. So I'm going to. There's not drink. a tart taste. I all. wonder what their hops are because uh, what we used uh, uh, Fuggle in our red ale. This doesn't smell like that though. Would you call it? Yeah, no. Why would you call <laughs> it? They don't list. Mm. The taste has a toastiness. Toastiness and grain. You know the, the kind of the grainy part of it. Um. Yeah, it's very grainy. Yeah. Mm, I like that. Apparently, I've tried this in twice, but I don't remember. We, you, I, yeah, you had it. We were at the. Well, I, we we had, had everything that night. There? I didn't have it last time we went because I had it before, so I was only trying to check in new stuff. But the best part of well, Tyhead's beer was amazing that night. Um, but remember, there was also somebody working there that pulled out like a private. <laughs> Private reserve collection, barrel age, or something they had been doing on their own, and I mean, I was I was three sheets, you know, in by. Yeah, that, that was point. Tony, right here. He's on their website. Is he? Um, yeah, this is the guy Tony. We um, we need to look that guy. We up need to go. Made more. We need to go back because I have seen that they have started barrel aging. I don't. I got to look mm. more if it's been anything's been released on it yet, but I know they were starting a barrel program. Oh shit! So they're they are going to be doing doing that. So. Um. Yeah, I try. I, we just had a taster of this, though. This this right. is the first time I've had a, f- a full pint uh, and opened a can. So it'd be interesting to see where um, this goes. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to look up the beer style, and it took me forever to to find it here. Um. I, so this is they're considering this an Irish style red ale. Um. So. Typically, it's going to be Kent Golding's hops. Malt is going to be pale crystal and roasted barley, which I think the roasted barley is mainly what I'm tasting there. 
Very roasty toasty. Yeah, definitely. So um so let's go around the horn. Um we'll go ahead with uh Chadillac. What are you saying? One beer. Uh <coughs> yeah, roasted. Yeah, it's a, a roasty, grainy. Um they say that there's um in the description that you get a sweetness from the caramel malt. I, I can't taste any caramel, but I do get a little bit of a sweetness. Uh, it's a cloudy beer. I noticed at the bottom, of, as the bottom of the can came out, it got cloudier and cloudier. So I, uh, I'm actually kind of wondering if my next taste is going to be a little bit different. But I will say uh, oh, this is a solid beer. I will, I'm going to go in at a 3.5 on my initial. Nice. Solid, good beer. Yeah. 3.5. Uh, Jake. Two beers. You know, it has a very heavy amber. Am, am I almost seeing some some grain floating in there? You got some in the I, bottom, yeah. I don't see any, but look at that. Tell me if I'm <coughs> to the light. Tell me if I'm crazy. Uh, I mean, it's almost at the. Might I might. Uh, you see I'll like see some float some floatage action. Yeah. I mean, it's probably just a little grain action. It's, I'm not getting any anything crazy. Oh yeah, you're right. Nothing that's impacting flavor or no. anything. Um, Probably it, it makes the flavor better. Yeah, I, I think you know it's almost funny. Like in the in the sort of the the depths of my glass here, there's parts where it's so sort of ambery and thick that it's almost almost a brown. Thick, um, thick yeah. and juicy. Thick brown. Mm, Very thick roasty brown. toasty. A little bit more roasty toasty than the red ales I typically gravitate towards. Um, I'll probably. Come in, some, uh, maybe a three, two, five. I mean, there's a lot of good flavor here. I, I do agree with you, Chad. I'm not getting any. There is a, a a sweetness, but I'm not getting any any uh, caramel, 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 caramel. Thank you for saying it correctly. So, um, <laughs> it's, great yeah. that, it's great that you're aligned with the Packers man when you say the word caramel, uh, caramel. It's great that you would just shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I. I don't know. I I think it's a good beer. I think this is like the perfect for me personally. The perfect beer of like, I'm gonna do a flight or something of that nature. Like eight eight ounces would be you know perfect. Hey, now where are you getting an eight ounce flight at? Well, I I don't know. I, mean, I guess I got the little <laughs> buddy in my head from from earlier. I just give Adam buddy and me. What are you? Uh, Three beers. Yeah. So where are you at over there, bud? This is actually I think would be a good one. Like to have in the fridge, you know, it's, it's regularly. Not, it's yeah. not a high ABV. It's kind of a good go. It's refreshing. It's not. I mean, it's not. Oh, it's not amazingly refreshing. It's not like crisp. Though, no, right? Not, yeah, not like that. Not like. Not like. Yeah, ah. yeah not like. Oh, I'm really thirsty. I need a red ale. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite like that. Uh, not not refreshing like the Brut IPA. The Brut, yeah. Brut IPA. <laughs> I don't. Know. It's I a U. It's not any bread. It's I think Chad just tries to say things yeah, differently to, exactly. to be different. <laughs> hey, there, order, hey. Did and you notice this is a uh, 2018 Great American Beer Festival gold winner? Yeah, the thing, man, he has won several. He's good. Can I ask a stupid question? Um, wow, well, I would expect most of them are. You. Yeah. <laughs> so my balls was hot. Is there any other than just the brewmaster saying this is ready to drink? Is there any time period that I should look to 
consume red ale that I purchase. No, senor! You know, because no, we're like... Senor! No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! <laughs> I think we planned this. We did it. <laughs> He's just being a dick. You know, because IPAs, I hear like, you know, roll, I hear in general, sooner the better, but like, you know, 60 days, ideally, 90 days max. Like, is there any, is there anything? I don't know what it would be for right now. Can I throw this in the fridge and just drink it when I get to it? Yeah, I don't know what the what the age on how to eat. I don't know what it would be for radio. I really don't. Well, I don't I'll put it, I could I could put it this way. I've I've never heard that you can't, not necessarily age. I haven't ale, either. But I've never heard. Not even age drink. it, but just like I don't have to worry about a right, canning date, what, do I? Yeah, I'm not. You, nobody's going to age a red ale, but I don't. I don't think <laughs> I, I've never heard anybody say, "Ah, oh, well, that red ale six months old. Uh, probably should throw that out." Right. Right. Yeah, I was just curious for because I don't know. So I just did a really quick Google search on the question, and it says for your standard ales, it says, and again, Chad calls it alls. Yeah, alls. 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 Six to six months to two years after the best before date, if kept in the fridge, six to nine months if kept in a cupboard. I don't know if I buy that two huh. years. Interesting. We'd have to, I'd have to look a little bit. Well, that was just a really quick Google search, and the first thing it came up, so I don't really know. But um, so, Chad, you were you were three five. Jake, you were three two five. Yeah, well, right? I'm hanging out at three two right now. Three two yeah, five. Yeah, I think I'm at three five. Um, I do like this one. Uh, I like that the finish isn't sweet. I've, I've started. I don't know why, but lately I've started noticing that more about some mm. beers that are just. Um, the finish, for whatever reason, is like sweet. Like uh, the IPA over there is what we were just talking about. What was that one? We're, of the, of the tight ends. We were just talking about Oh, Chili Water? Yeah. Oh, chili Water. Yeah. Chili Water. I had it for the first time on tap at a at a bar, and I remember going, this is really, really sweet on the back end. Man, I never you know realized it. It was good. But anyway, 3-5. Like a sweet back end. Yeah, 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 sweet yeah. back ends are nice. Very nice. Uh, now, Tight End is a brewery that we have uh, have been to. Uh, I think Jake and I more than once. Chad once, right? What? Yes. Yeah. Um, I so drank it several times, but I've been to the brewery just one time. Their their brewer uh, or their brewer, their owner. And if I go back a page, back a page, I can get to the right page where it tells me his name because I can't remember his name. Bruce, Bruce Durr. Um, he was, as most of these guys are, uh, home brewers, and then he started getting into the judging. So brew, he became a certified brew judge, and then he decided just to open his own. I don't know if that was because I've tasted plenty that were shit and I need to make my own now, or if he just his stuff was good enough. But as you said, I mean, this one won an award at, at uh, Great American Beer Fest, right? Yeah, 2018 gold for Irish, Irish style red ale, so... Um, I think he knows what he's doing. So he's another one we should get on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll read Jasmine tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, good, good one so far. I like that spot too. You know, they had uh, added on to it. It's it's very um, family friendly. You know, it's very open. You remember we were supposed, oh, yeah, to, we were supposed to we were supposed to go there from. My 40th birthday party. Remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> and then we had a bad snowstorm. I had awful snowstorm. Call it audible. Oh, man. I really wish we would have done it. I, I wish we should just find whatever we reason we want. We should have just gone. 
we should find whatever reason we want to throw a party there just for the fuck of it because I want to do that. Yeah, it, it's a great place and it's um very great staff. Every time we I'm should done. take a tour there. Actually, they have they have tours. I mean, it's right down the road. It's not far, so that's what we should do. I think it epitomizes though everything <laughs> you kind of want out of a local brewery, right? Like it it feels comfortable. It feels friendly. Um, it's, it's right at the beer. train stop. Yeah, it's easy. You know, it's a good spot. Yeah. Um, you know, walking distance around other stuff if possible. I mean, that's not always possible, but you know, it feels kind of part of the area. Um, and the the staff is always awesome there. I mean, we had the one. It was what it was later in the night, and the one guy came over to us and said, "Hey, you want to try this?" And it was it was a home brew barrel aged beer that was. Um, it was, so good. it was really good. And we're just All of like, us were like, can we buy this yeah, right well, now? Why aren't you like, selling this, this shit, dude? Come on. So maybe It's we'll fun be- to buy beer, though, from people. And this is always why I have so much fun at um, good beer stores. I know that's kind of a relative term, and yeah. Chad probably hates it, but you know, just it's <laughs> ambiguous, but I'll just throw out there instead of trying to define it. Um, but it's always fun when you meet people just like talking about beer. That was today. I went to, to Beer Bazaar, and I didn't know they opened at noon on Wednesdays. So I get there, it's like five to noon. So I waited and he opens a opens up. I walk in. I'm the only one there, except me and a delivery dude. And I asked him, like, you know, I haven't been in a while. What's new? Like, what do you what do you like in? And he walked me all over that store. You know, like this one's really good. This I've had this one, this is the you know it was just cool. And then I was asking him, you know, how his how um Bourbon County went, asked me if he got any revolution. What was funny is I did tell him that I picked up Revolution at Libertyville um, craft beer store, mm-hmm. and he's. I told him I got vanilla, and that um, he only had like four four packs, and he's like, "Really? Where Where are you keeping them, by the way?" <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Then your business. Um, he gave me his this look. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." It was just like last week or whatever, and he goes, "Huh?" Well, my distributor said that none of them were making them up this far. <laughs> uh oh, some distributors got in trouble. So. Retro. Yeah. So uh, the other thing Tighthead does do they do poses and pints and that's where they do the yoga in the in the brewery. Oh. Oh yeah. So you drink beer and do yoga in the uh yep. the beer house. I mean I'll go and spectate. We that's always have a good number of beers on tap too, and it's always fun to try to tr- drink them all in one night. Yeah, and I think they have some new stuff. I haven't um haven't checked them out lately. Um well, if I don't go to Illinois Saturday, let's go there. Hmm. I mean, you're going to be in Illinois because you're going to be at my house. Oh, yeah. If I don't go to Bloomington, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, okay. uh, so they do have a barrel-aged oatmeal stout right now in the barrels. It's not on tap yet. Yeah, I feel like we did talk to them about that a little bit in yeah. our, um, you know. On their website, if you go to the tap room section on their website down at the bottom, they say in barrels, not on tap. Um and that uh, what is this one called? B A B A uh, Oats. I think what's called. You think so. you think a lot of breweries of that sort of relative size, where they're you know bigger than say a Nano, um, but they're not you know a multi-state regional. Um, do you think they feel pressure to enter barrel age? Not necessarily as. You know, not not necessarily to acquire some sort of profit margin, but just to gain sort of notoriety and set themselves apart and start to build up um, some excitement around events and and you know, hopefully, really it pushes the other beers that they're making that they can produce uh, quicker, faster, at a lower cost. 
um, and that they probably have, you know, hopefully at least in, in more, you know, larger production, more more profit on. Um, do you, do you think for because tight head seems to be kind of right in that size where, like, uh, do we need to start thinking about this? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think part of it kind of like us, like when we, you know, we brewed the flame out stout. We think of it as man, this would be fun to put in a barrel and see what happens, right? So I'm pretty sure there's some of. Back for these guys yeah, too. I'm sure the home brewing, right? you know, these guys are all beer, you know. They're all home brewers. They want to do it. Yeah, I get that. But also, but like you, you only child. Does it make sense for them to have a barrel age program? Probably not. But they do. I mean, they have all those barrels there. That's how they're doing a lot of their wild, their uh, um, sours. Sours. Mm-hmm. But you know, also though, you got to think people are walking in asking the question because, you know, barrel aged beers are hot right now. Everybody, oh yeah! Everybody, everybody wants to know what what barrel edge beer do you have? Right, and so if 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 this is my favorite local, you know, craft brewery, when are you guys going to do a barrel age, man? I want to try try from you guys. You guys are my favorite, you know. So, <clears throat> what what do you know about this barrel aged Kaya dog? I don't old Kaya dog. You see this? No barrel aged barley wine on their site using. Woodford Reserve bourbon barrels. Where, where you? Yeah. Help me out here. Where Regional you beers. This? Huh? You go to their beer beers page. Okay. Uh, sc- scroll down to seasonal beers. <coughs> uh, middle column on the oh, bottom. Oh shit! Woodford Reserve bourbon barrels, barley wine. Yeah. I mean, does that mean it's available? I don't know. Hmm. Seasonal doesn't say when. Old Kaya dog. Always down here. Uh, November, but is that November of eighteen or is that in this next year? I gotta know. Well, uh, this November to November, November to February. Is, yeah. So but maybe we go if we go in there. But see, here's my issue. Okay. Oh boy, Jake's got issues. You know where I land in the IBUs. So first of all, it says 113 IBUs. So somebody that doesn't know what the hell a barley wine is going to look that at that and be like, oh my God, that's going to be so bitter. I mean, it does say hints of light fruit, but I'm guessing even if it has some tartness on the front end, it's not bitter. Uh, but my other issue here is like, I'm kind of a drunk, right? So, you know, <laughs> I I don't mind paying when it gets gets me feeling good. Tidehead, give me something that's 10% plus ABV. Um, it is low for a barrel barrel. It's the same ABV as their regular old Kaya dog. Yeah. And I guess, though, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you not point me You're to wrong. an article recently that said the uh, popularity of high ABV, barrel age, whatever is diminishing? Yeah. So the trends that they're seeing right now is, um, yeah, the high ABVs are... Not as popular, so people are wanting to go have a, have because people are wanting to try beers, right? So they're not wanting to get a single beer and get fucked up. They're wanting to try four or five different beers in a night because they haven't had them before. Why can't you do both? <laughs> do four, <laughs> do do four, do four pints of 10, uh, 10 ABV beer. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean that sounds like a fun night to me. Well, I mean usually when you go to you know. Founders that I, you know, I was at a couple months ago, or um, even when I went to uh, O'Toole's in Libertyville because they had BCS. Usually, when they give you those pours of their, it's usually like 
it's not a 12 ounce or a 16 ounce pour. Yeah. You know, it's like eight or 10 or something like that. I got to think that that 9.7 is wrong, though. Especially well, in the barrel aged one. And yeah, because if you're exactly old, the same too. Yeah, you're regular. You, they have the exact same IBU, exact same SRM for the barrel aged. I, th- I think that's just kind of lazy. Well, <laughs> maybe <laughs> nothing's getting you? absorbed from the barrels. Like, yeah, I don't right. understand. It's the, the, SR, the SRM should definitely be a higher but, number and be darker. Okay. But if you look at their calendar, the barrel aged, just regular old Kaya dog is on the calendar. Barrel aged is not. So maybe that's not available yet. Oh, I, I, I you're right. I took the Maybe they don't know yet because this is going to be yeah, the first. Yeah, maybe they're just, maybe. they know that that's the base. But if it's not on the barrels yet. Apparently, I, this beer is good because I'm easily halfway boys. Are we, yeah, are yeah, we I look over and you're just like, <laughs> chuck, look, 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 look. I, it says eight ounces. I've passed that by about an inch. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know where you guys are at. I am just about halfway. I'm gonna try to pump the brakes here. Jed, you halfway? Probably past halfway because this is it's yeah. a pint, and I'm halfway through this non-pint glass. Well, then let's go ahead and let's do the halfway now, and then we can talk about our very special guest. Our halftime show. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a special guest after after this. So um, we started with Chad. Right, so Chad, what is your one beer? What are you at the halfway point of this? Yeah. You know, I, I think in drinking this beer, the smell of it really, really helps. Yeah, uh, I, I, because I, I really like the smell. I actually, kind of like the smell better than the taste, <laughs> but that aids in the taste. So, um. You were a three five at the start. I was at a three five. I don't think I can go higher than three five. So I'm just going to stay at three five at, at the halfway point. Jake, two beers. I thought I was going to go lower because because he likes to go down. I'm not huge on lots of roasty toasty. At least at least in the context of it's not part of some larger complexity. Paper! So I thought I was going to go down. To a three, but then I looked down and the beer was just disappearing. I won't talk nice to you. And um, I would suggest that this is a beer you drink cold. I don't think it's one you want to necessarily let hang around. I agree. Uh, um, but there is a nice residual sort of uh taste left on my palate that I'm enjoying. I just gotta do number two. You know, I can sort of feel in the back of my jowls, and and I'm enjoying it. So. Hot. I think I'm gonna just keep it right at a three two five. All that just to say. I was gonna say. I'm gonna stay. Holy <laughs> shit. Well, it was gonna go to a three, God. but it <laughs> kind of pulled itself back up to a three two five. It, it shut re- up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> it refused to go down. Once I again, love it when it pulls itself back oh, up. Oh man, that's crazy. <laughs> <sighs> Chad, you love it. You'd love it. All right, I'm not. I gonna, know. I I'm know. not going to go into all that bullshit. Um, I'm going to go to three seven five. Um, I think more I, for me, more flavors come out now that it's a little bit warmer, and I've um, drinking half of it. So, uh, is anybody getting caramel? I actually the last last sip, I thought I tasted a little bit of caramel. I, th- I didn't taste caramel. I, th- I tasted I th- caramel. Thought I, I did, it. but I'm not sure. Look at how the word is spelled. If you. Smell it when you drink it. That's, <laughs> that's where I feel like the caramel. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> no, it's if you. I think no the aroma. Señor, no, señor! No, señor! No, señor! No, señor! No, no. 
<laughs> Senor, come on. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> I will not. This is my show as much as it is your show. I won't talk nice to you and talk about fornicating with you. Although I don't have control of the soundboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. All right, so go ahead. I do think that the aroma really helps with that sweetness and the caramel flavor. I, I do feel like the more I get into this, that Pivot. aroma is helping helping the score. <laughs> There's my <Pivot>. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, at the beginning, we said this was a special show um, because we had a chance to interview somebody uh, for the first time. We've never done an interview on the show before. We always have wanted to. We've talked about it. We finally uh, pulled the trigger and did it. And was it worth it? Yeah, it was freaking awesome. Um, So uh, Josh Noel, who is a writer for the Chicago Tribune, he is pretty much a beer writer now, he says. Um, it's pretty much the majority of what he writes about. He did write a book um, about the AB um, InBev purchase of Goose Island Brewery in Chicago called Barrel Aged Stouts and Selling Out. And we had a chance to talk to him today and interview him. Um, everybody should check him out um, all over the web. If you're definitely into craft beer, which I'm assuming that's why you're listening to the show in the first place, you definitely want to follow him on Twitter. Hop Notes is where you can find him. He tweets um, about... <coughs> Everything beer related, uh, um, from from Goose Island in Bev stuff to other local Chicago breweries. Um, he was actually the one I went and looked. He was he was part of that article I found that led us to Revolution the Barrel Age. Remember that article in the Tribune where they tried Goose Island against um, yeah. Death Star, right? That's how the first time we'd ever, I'd be like, Death Star, what the fuck is this? And yeah. then they picked Death Star over Goose. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And that's what led us on the hunt to get Death Star. <laughs> Which turned it, out right? to be our 2018 beer of the year. Yeah. So he was the one, he was involved in that. Um, so you can definitely check him out. Uh, also at his website, joshnoel.net. Um, if, even if you don't like beer, you're going to love this book. Is yeah, fan, he's a fantastic writer. It's a fantastic I mean, the way he and told like the story. To read him with it, like Chicago or, his, you know, the history business. of how things happen, business. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a microcosm. Is that the right word? Of what's probably going on in a lot of industries, the way yeah. that there's so much mergers and acquisitions and... Um, also probably a lot of like, I don't really know who makes this anymore, but I'm going to keep buying it. Right. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and play the interview with, or now, and then we'll come back here in a minute with, uh, with our thoughts on it. So our, our inquiring minds want to know yep. what's your, what's your beer of choice? Oh yeah, that is a good, well, the beer of choice of course is forever changing. <laughs> yes. Uh, tonight it is, um, a beer called little buddy uh, which i just wrote about uh yesterday from hopewell brewing here in chicago um it put this hellas lager in eight ounce cans the first eight ounce cans in chicago uh wow, eight ounce yeah i saw your tweet when you put that out are they just trying to differentiate themselves or is there a particular reason they they did this is this just kind of a marketing thing it's uh Marketing definitely crossed with what they believe is practicality, that there is a desire for uh, 
the eight ounce beer, eight and in this four. case, an eight ounce four point seven percent Hellas Lager, um, which I just went for one. I mean, it's it, that's what I want right now. It's just eight ounces. I think eight ounces is a great serving size personally. And people tend to think of it it's like, okay, yeah, we'll put our bourbon barrel aged stuff in that, which of course, yes, that makes sense too. Eight ounces is pretty damn practical um, sure. for a single serving. But yeah, like eight ounces of Hellas, I think makes a lot of sense too. If you just want sort of the, the one of the founders called it a snack. It's like a beer snack, you know? <laughs> That's clever. I just I, do that. I want 16 ounces and I'll go open another one. Out of curiosity, what sort of uh was it like a four pack, a six pack? How do they package that when it's eight ounces? Four pack. <laughs> four pack. Okay. Four pack of yeah, eight ounce cans. Um, yeah, you should. I would encourage you to Google the story because the picture is really sort of tells the entire story. Yeah, I just pulled it up. Yeah, it's a tiny little can. I did see you tweet that. I just didn't actually read it yet. So that's cool. Eight ounce cans. That'd be perfect. Those many beers as we drink, like not having to drink a whole can of it. Do an eight ouncer. I know, I know, Jake. You'd be upset. You go Could be part beer. of my New Year's resolution. You know, I'm getting in shape. I'm only drinking eight ounces at a time now. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You're drinking Miller Latte now. So, I think I saw your tweet early on about the book, and we had. I don't know if that was around the time when we were trying to get um, Bourbon County last year or whatever it was, and I told the guy that was like, "When this comes out, we got to get this book." And so we all got it, and then we started reading. I'm like, okay, we got to get this guy and talk to him because even if you're not into beer, I think it's hella interesting. You know, it's, it's an interesting book. Um, you know, even if you're not into the whole Chicago beer scene or beer in general. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the book being uh, being of interest to uh, beer drinkers and beer drinkers' wives, right? I mean, or wives? or a buddy that, huh? You said wives. Wives, yeah, oh, okay. like, oh, what are you reading? It's a, beer, a book on beer, but it's interesting how the story unfolds. It's you know, you might be interested in reading it. And they pick it up and start reading it, and all of a sudden, other people that are not necessarily beer drinkers are, are reading it. Yeah, that's been some that's of my favorite feedback is the the people who are like, I don't really care that much about beer or the beer industry, or at least I didn't think I did. Right. Um, but yeah, they find the story interesting, and it's uh. Beer is a really fascinating industry. I mean, that's the beer is obviously fun to drink, but I think people, part of the reason people sort of obsess about it and get so pissy about it is that it is just a fascinating place where lots of interesting things happen. You know, it's just, it's probably way more interesting than the dishwasher industry, you know, <laughs> right. objectively well, speaking. I think there's a lot of parallels to what a lot of people are seeing happening uh, with corporations and mergers and buyouts in all yeah. kinds of industries. You know, I don't think it's specific yeah. to just the beer industry. I, I was listening to somebody else that interviewed you, Josh, and they had mentioned, uh, or you had recommended, you know, you don't have to buy it on Amazon. You could go to your local uh, bookstore and pick this up and ask for it and get them to order it. And and uh, the person that was interviewing you was like, well, just like, you know, craft beer versus big beer or whatever that was. Um, yeah. but I had a friend that moved to Portland last year and, and he lived in Chicago for a long time and I just saw him over Christmas and I had, I gave him my copy of the book and, um, he Maybe likes he took my copy of the book then. and then I took Adam's copy and, um, all I was going to say is he Everyone likes, wins but Adam. Okay. yeah, my buddy likes beer, but part of the reason he's excited is just cause he misses Chicago and he liked reading oh, something yeah. that had to do with Chicago, Chicago mm-hmm. history. Well, I have the book in Audible too, so I listened to it. So it was good. Um, but how'd you... How did this come up? How did you, you know, decide to write a book about Goose, ABN, Bev? I mean, what, how did you get into this? Um, well, it, you know, it really goes back to um, 
just my work at the Chicago Tribune, and um, I've been, Which, by, by the way, how how long how long have you been there? I've been at the Tribune for um, it'll be fourteen years this spring, which is wow, wow. crazy because it's <laughs> I mean I don't know it's like people worked somewhere fourteen years. The people who did that were old, you know. Right. And, That's unheard of these days. The guy who worked there fourteen years. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I've been there fourteen years. I was a news writer for three years, and then I was the travel writer for a couple of years and then I became travel and beer writer. Um, basically my first beer article was written as sort of a side gig from my travel writing career. And that was 10 years ago, the first article. In fact, I should look the date up, but it was 2009, just as the beer industry was sort of, or, you know, this incarnation of the beer industry was getting going. Um, and yeah, this, are there any of you guys in Chicago? Yeah, Jake, Jake and I were neighbors. Jake was across the street from me, so we're at my house. We're up in Lake Villa. By okay. Germany, so. Oh, so you you know then yeah, yeah. you know what's yeah. Up. Chad Chad's up in Wisconsin, uh, west of Milwaukee, but I mean he's been around the Chicago. Go Bears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he is the uh, the Packers. Fan. And I, and I'm still doing the uh, Metro every day. I work yeah. down in Michigan and Wacker, and um, and I've been in my company for 11 years, so I definitely know what that feels like <laughs> when people are. You're like the weird one for staying in one place so long. Yeah. Yeah, it, go, it goes by quick. Uh, so yeah, so my first beer article in the Tribune came out in 2009, and I've just been, it became more and more of my job as the beer industry became a bigger and bigger thing. Um, and now it's all of my job. The travel writing job doesn't really exist at the Tribune anymore. Fortunately, I had this beer writing thing in my back pocket. Um, anyway, um, so the, the book really sprung out of that work. And... Um, you know, Goose Island has always been like the 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 godfather of Chicago brewing, yeah. and that was true with the stuff I'd write in the Tribune. You know, Bourbon County is like, you know, it's re- in all reality, it's less of a big deal now than it was five years ago or ten years ago. But five years ago, ten years ago, it was like the only game in town. You know, yeah. for a bourbon barrel aged stout, more or less. Um, so. You know, Goose Island has just been sort of the the linchpin of Chicago brewing, and you could argue Midwest brewing, along with Bell's and New Glarus, and you know, small a handful of breweries. Um, Goose Island's always been one of the most interesting uh, breweries I've written about, and once it sold to AB, it went from like you know, interesting, well-respected Chicago brewery to, oh my God, those you know, damn sellouts, what have they done? And, yeah. you know, that, then there'd be the story of Goose Island sort of graduated to this next level. And uh, at that point, I never thought about a book about Goose Island for two seconds until the sale. The sale was when it was like, oh my gosh, the, now the narrative is complete, you know? Right. It's, um, you know, Star Wars-esque. <laughs> Luke has joined the dark side. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you talked with any uh, other, are there other books out there of other breweries like, um, you know, um, the breweries that, that Budweiser or AB and Bev bought prior to. Yeah. Did anybody write a book on Wicked Weed? Or... Yeah, no, not, not Wicked Weed, but the, the there were two well, people before. People were pissed about that. Um, the two that are out in Portland or Seattle. Um, oh, Elysian sold. Um Ten barrel. Well, Goose, so Anheuser Busch has bought ten breweries in the U.S. Um, Goose was the first of the ten, so it just well, it worked out for me well. 
But I mean, before that, like Red Hook. Um, oh yeah, they bought partial Rock. stakes, minority stakes, in Red Hook and Widmer. Actually, Widmer, Red yeah. Hook is about to be released, um, but it was commissioned by the Widmers, so it's not. The guy who wrote it is uh, Jeff Falworth. Is really a great journalist and beer writer. Um, so I I have a lot of faith in the the in the the writing and the journalism and the sort of the perspective in there uh, because. I just sort of trust his work, but it, but the book is commissioned by the Widmer. So it comes with that asterisk. Oh, okay. I just wondered if there was a similar upheaval in those, in those parts of the, uh, the country with, with that sort of bad. I mean, I've been so, to Red Hook. It's, it's a nice, nice brewery, a uh, very nice setting, but I didn't get the, I didn't get the feeling of, of it being a locally embraced brewery like Goose Island has been. Well, when Red Hook sold, people started making shirts, uh, and they started calling it Bud Hook. Bud Hook, yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, it's like there, there, people get pissed with any of any and all of these sales, but the um, the rage over the Goose Island sale, the rage over the Elysian sale, and the Wicked Weed sale, those were a uh, different ball game as compared to the rest. Okay. But the, the really the answer to your question is the original question is no there isn't hasn't really been a book like this written which also played to my advantage there have been you know books about breweries usually written by the founder Tony McGee wrote about starting Lagunitas Sam Calagione wrote about starting Dogfish um, uh, there's a few more examples out there was it difficult uh, to approach John to get this one going say again was it difficult to sort of approach John and and perhaps Greg so no. Um, I just called John out of the blue. I still remember I was standing in Wells Park because I lived up there uh, in Lincoln Square. And just I, the idea had been sort of kicking around my head for a while. And I was standing in Wells Park and just, just like, screw it and got the courage up and just because I knew once I sort of put it out there, I was actually going to have to really follow through. He dialed the um, phone like four times and hung up on him. And, okay, and then he hung up on him again. And, John and called back. And then he answered and I asked him if he'd go to prom with me. And then <laughs> um, yeah, no, John was uh, very generous with his time and his thoughts. Um, and, you know, what? It, it, there are some tough questions asked and some tough conversations had. And it's, you know, the book is not, a uh, n- nothing but a glowing portrait of Goose Island and its sale to Anheuser Busch, um, but Goose Island was a very important uh, brewery along the way, and I certainly, you know, tried to capture all that. I mean, it was, you know, it's been one of the, let's say, ten or so, you know, all-time important breweries in American craft brewing. You know, I mean, they invented bourbon barrel-aged stout. They 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 get the credit on that one. Yeah. Uh, that was a fun part of the story to tell. But then you know the story takes this much more complex and in a sense darker turn with the sale to AB and what does that mean? And you know you know there were reasons John did it. He had problems he was trying to solve. AB had problems it was trying to solve, and just sort of worked out for both parties in that way. Now who was there? Someone on AB side that you were able to get in with and talk to about well, it, or the story from the AB side was that? Get from other sources. According to this, yeah, um, that was a, a mixed bag. Um, I did talk to several people at AB. Um, AB was generally um, very 
open with me, I would say, and uh, accommodating. They would not, the only person they would not put me in touch with was the guy who was actually executing all these deals, uh, who was an M&A guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, the business school grad yeah. whose name never came up with any of these things, you know, like the deal would be sealed and they'd have their sort of chosen people talking about the deal. And the guy who actually really made it happen, this this mergers and acquisitions guy, Michael Taylor, who's now running uh, Green Flash in San Diego, um, he, you know, he he was in a sense he was the most important character in the whole thing, and but also the one they were trying to keep out of the spotlight, and uh, but they did not put me in touch with him. But I was still able to sort of stitch his story together because he he came up and you know every interview with any brewery founder who sold AB. Wow. Well, this other than that, they were pretty pretty accommodating though. Your yeah. the the selected bibliography in your book is as i wrote in my notes here extensive and impressive thank you it's 18, it's 18 pages long uh is it wow uh that does sound long um <laughs> yeah, yeah you've, got spent, um, you've got names in here that are that are impressive and i'm i'm wondering like i mean i mean obviously that everybody at goose island but i mean you talked to greg coach 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 harvey say his name and yeah, uh, dick line and kogel and i mean there's there's guys that have been big time industry names and you're, you're actually able to just approach these guys and do interviews and the sources that you cite throughout this. I mean, not only, <laughs> I'm not only impressed from the size of the, the bibliography, but the amount of time that it would take to do all this. It took a long, long time. <laughs> and a lot of work. Um, and I had a kid along the way, my first kid. Um, so yeah, it, I started working on it in, well, the goose sale was in 2011. I started working on the book either in 2011 or 2012. I honestly can't remember. I should probably just come up with one and make it part of the narrative, but, um, we'll just say 2011. Um, I started in 2011, um, and it came out in 2018. So that was seven years between conception and, you know, emergence. Um, and I, and it was like a solid six years of writing and reporting and ripping stuff up and writing new stuff and interviewing people. And this is while still working at the Trib. So yeah, it took a long time. Um, you know, would have been nice if it had if I'd been able to pull it off in three years though actually that reminds me of another sort of crucial point was that for a long time there was no end to the story it's like I had the beginning in the middle but there was no like natural end to the Goose Island and Anheuser-Busch and craft beer story and um, two things happened that sort of gave me the end Uh, and they one they happened in like 2016 and 2017 one was John Hall sold the Goose Island Brew Pub to Anheuser-Busch. Initially, he'd only sold the production brewery and the brand, but he'd held on to ownership of the Brew Pub, the original Clybourne Avenue Brew Pub. Um, and then he he finally sold that to AB too. So it was, it was sort of like, in a sense, the sellout was complete with air quotes around sellout. Everything came full circle with that kind of... Exactly. And then, and then the Wicked Weed sale sort of put the period on Anheuser-Busch's shopping spree of breweries so they bought 
the 10 breweries, Goose Island was the first and Wicked Weed was the last. And it really felt like something was, uh, was ending with the Wicked Weed sale. It's like Carbach in Houston was the ninth acquisition and everyone just kind of went, okay, Carbach, whatever, who cares? I mean, some people in Houston cared, obviously, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of heat and emotion around the Carbach brand more broadly. But the Wicked Weed sale was like just a, a kick in the nuts to a lot of people because people really loved Wicked Weed and Wicked Weed had built a really impressive brand that sort of resonated across the country. Um, so when that sale went down, the 10th of the 10, it was kind of like, okay, the uh, I've got there's sort of a jumping off point here to end the book. So in a sense, I really needed all that time to, to pull it together in the way that. And I like how you made the point that you could kind of overlay all of those purchases over a map and you could kind of see that regional strategy and, and how it really made sense for them to go after something that was sort of on the, the you know, Southeast call it. Uh, and it was it, the backlash wicked we got was crazy. I mean, they, how they had to cancel that whole, whole uh, event, that sour funka, the Funkatorium. Funkatorium. So I, I had, as I said, Josh, I had listened to some of your other interviews, but I really wanted to ask you, like, do you feel like you take an unbiased perspective in telling the story? Is, is it hard to have not having a, an opinion strongly one way or the other? Because or do you have an opinion one way? <laughs> or do or do you have an opinion, or or has it maybe changed as time has passed since you wrote this? Um. I mean, I felt like it was pretty important um, that my job is to just present the information and all the context for good and for bad um, on all sides. Um, I think AB is not thrilled with the book. I think Goose Island is not thrilled with the book. Mm -hmm. I know the Brewers Association in some parts is not thrilled with the book. Really? Um, I think they probably like it more than Goose and AB do, but sure. I had a little pushback from them too on some of my conclusions. So I, you know, I mean, if I pissed off everyone, then I think I sort of did my job. <laughs> That's a great Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Really, I'm ultimately on the sort of side of transparency and the reader and the consumer. You know, it's like just explaining this crazy path that craft beer has taken, um, and especially what happened uh, with with the Goose Island sale and everything that followed all the, the deals that came subsequently. Um, my, I really appreciate when someone says, and I, I heard a lot of this, um, was that the reader saying, I didn't know how to feel that at times I was rooting for Goose Island. Yeah. At times I was furious at Goose Island. At times I was furious at Anheuser-Busch at other turns. I completely, you know, came to understand on Anheuser-Busch and then sort of hated myself yeah. for it. Um, exactly. And then in exactly the end, I just done. ended up feeling sort of, new, you know, not neutral, but sort of just falling right in the middle of the whole thing, just sort of understanding it, but not, you know, fully pro-big beer, anti-big beer. It's pro an emotional salary. roller coaster I mean, as a beer you, fan. You should see the that, text. That was the goal. The text between the three of us. You could tell where each person was at in the book because you get a text like from Chad going, God, I hate it, and I said, I hate AB, you know, and then, what the hell did Goose Island do? You know, it just... I went through, like, all the stages of grief, <laughs> grief or something. Yeah. I'm like, anger, bargaining, denial. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it did take me for that ride. Um, did you ever get feedback specifically from John or Greg? After, like, do you know if they read the book? Uh, they read it. Um, I think there's mixed feelings, it's fair to say. I think it's probably really hard to read about yourself in that context. So I, yeah. I understand it. 
Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, they'd probably need to speak on it anymore if there was any more to say. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say mixed feelings. Yeah. The, uh, the, so when, uh, when John had his meeting announcing the sale, mm -hmm. when, when you talked with him about this, and this kind of there's kind of two questions in one here because I'm I'm curious about the details in the book, and when books like this are written, it's it's a it's a fascinating thing for me, because I can't remember half the shit in my own life, <laughs> and when I if I think about writing a book about my own life, I I don't know if I could do it because I can't remember, and when you go and talk with John and Greg and all the characters in the book and the details start to emerge. Is there, I mean, not, not I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to call you out here on anything, but are the details in the book as accurate as they read? Like when he had that meeting and John goes, John reads it, is he reading it? Like, oh yeah, that's actually how that really happened. Yeah, no, that's a fair question. Um, and that's something that narrative nonfiction writers need to deal with. And that was the kind of book I was trying to write. It wasn't just, I was not trying to write a dry business story. I was trying to write narrative nonfiction and putting you in that room and, and, you know, stitching that, that scene together. Um, I will say, yes, it's all accurate. And the way I did it was by talking to, you know, there were, I can't remember, you know, 75 people in that room. And I probably talked to 40 of them. Um, yeah. just trying to, uh, stitch every, I would just try to wring every detail I could from every interview. And it's probably weird to be interviewed by a, someone who's writing a book because, um, you know, you're, 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 you're asking the most ridiculous details, asking for the most ridiculous details precisely to stitch that narrative together but it's in when you're being interviewed about it it's like why do you need to know you know <laughs> what what i was wearing but like, it helps it helps visualize i was wearing a jacket or a scarf or a hat or gloves or but it's like no it's like well, if that room was cold i want to see how that room was cold you know what were you wearing and it's like oh okay and some you know a lot of it by the time i was having those conversations in some cases it had been you know, anywhere from two to five years after the fact. So, you know, you run into a lot of dead ends, but you just, um, just keep asking the questions, talk to as many people as you can and just stitch it together bit by bit. And then you go back and then you sort of check facts against other people. Like, you know, so-and-so said, um, uh, that was really cold in the room. Do you remember it being cold? Oh yeah, it was really cold. I forgot about that. Blah 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 blah. Or it could be, you know, no, uh, I, I have no recollection of that. And just little things I was trying to pin down. Like, did John Hall, when he made the announcement, talk through a microphone, or did he not? And it's like there were, everyone had a different answer to that, and I can't remember how I finally broke that. I think John just told me whatever it it's was. Inter it's interesting you bring that point up specifically because when i was reading that part it would that was in in my mind like i'm trying to picture how this is all set up he's on the loading dock and is do they have a portable speaker or something where <laughs> almost 100 people can can hear him or is he just projecting his voice and how, how what does this actually look like right and that's what i was trying to stitch together exactly that kind of that's thing. very cool, very uh, cool. And that, that chapter felt like 
uh, that was one of the ones that felt most important to me. It's like the whole book in a way. It's it's the middle chapter of the book. It's you know it's the fifty yard line of the whole thing, and um, that chapter felt it felt like I really had to nail that. Like the whole thing sort of turned on that chapter. So I put I worked as harder harder on that one as any of them. I I think that was the best part of the book. The most raw, emotional. Talking about you know Greg standing quiet in the corner. Talking about people crying. People being angry. Uh, you got other people that have been working there forever that are going upstairs to smoke their last joint. People are going <laughs> to bars to drink and, you know, commiserate. Uh, I, I did want to ask you, Josh, and I, I don't know if this is something that can be an unbiased response, but like, do you think that when the sale happened, you know, Greg felt like he just lost something? Like, uh, I don't know if soul or heart or whatever it was, but the way, um, his last day was the day before the deal went through and the way that he went to that birthday party and, you know, had the incident filling the mugs and said it's beer, um, you know, and not showing up on that last day when the, when they closed, um, the brew pub and they were going to do the renovations. Um, I mean, did that create friction do you think between him and his dad? Or do you think that was a really big, you know, miss for him? Like that, that he didn't inherit that company. That was actually one of the. I felt it, it was there, but it just didn't go further than that. It what? Because uh, I felt like it was there was something there, but that maybe out of. Oh yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's you know the intention was to sort of lay it out there and let the reader draw their own conclusion, and I think you you hit on I think a lot of the important points that are you know supposed to be the dotted lines that lead to a conclusion. Um, I mean, there is, it's, um, I believe at one point I spell out about how he was devastated by the sale. Um, and he was, you know, Michael Roper at Hopleaf said that, you know, Greg came in and gave him a heads up a couple days before and that Greg seemed, he was putting on a brave face, but he seemed, uh, you know, his enthusiasm was clearly half-hearted and even seemed embarrassed by the whole thing. Um, and at another point, I, I, I can't remember the exact language, but it's something about him maybe perhaps being devastated or something. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's a fair takeaway. I mean, Greg was a really good soldier. I mean, Greg got paid to be a good soldier too. He, you know, has been on the payroll the entire time since the sale, earning a nice salary to, I don't think, do a whole hell of a lot on behalf of Goose and now Goose and Virtue <clears throat> Cider. Um, I was going to say, but, ABV yeah. kind of saved him, right? Because they bought out his Virtue Cider that was struggling a little bit, right? Yep. Yes, yeah. indeed. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it, Greg uh, was a good soldier. He, uh, you know, spoke positively of the deal. Um, but yeah, deeper down, uh, it's pretty clear. And based on interviews with, you know, some of the people closest to him that, he was, uh, yeah, his, his, his compass was knocked off course, let's say, um, by the sale. Absolutely. Um, that doesn't mean he didn't understand it, I think, um, but I think it also did hurt. And, and what I was going to say initially was that that was one of the, the sort of driving questions for me at the beginning of the, the book writing process was trying to make sense of why Greg didn't get it, you know, like, it was would have been so natural for Goose Island to be passed on to Greg and Greg to run it as a family-owned company into the next generation. Um, I mean, Greg made 
John Hall was a businessman and, you know, technically made Goose Island what it was, but Greg was the, the visionary and he sort of, he made Goose Island as valuable as it was. Um, and I, I trying to make sense of why John sold Anheuser-Busch instead of, uh, figuring out a way to send it to his son, the brewmaster of 20 years was initially one of the sort of the overarching questions of the whole endeavor. And the impression I got was on, in a, in a larger sense that John and really believed goose needed them and that they were really struggling with production and struggling to do anything but three, one, two, or, you know, you know, whatever their most, some of their other most popular lines. I mean, they were shutting down beers that were winning awards. But I, I think also reading in between the lines, what I kind of got was Greg was, you know, a visionary, was a brand, was was Goose, but that he didn't really have the same business, you know, acumen, acumen, as his father. Like he was late for meetings, he could be aloof. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, I, and I don't know, but the the... the what I thought underneath there was maybe his dad thought that I need to turn this over to business people uh, to keep this thing going. Or maybe he really wanted his dream of seeing it sold everywhere in the U.S. and everywhere in the world because cause that happened. Or both. Yeah, or both. But I, I, yeah. Think, I, think you're, uh, I think you're onto something with both of those, honestly. Um, it, you know, the, in retrospect, selling to AB made a ton of sense for John. He got paid, you know, a nice, a nice chunk. Um, obviously, it's not what brewery owners are getting paid five years on, but you know, still, you know, he built something worth nearly forty million dollars. I'll take forty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and with AB, he was going to be able to see his brand all over the country and potentially all over the world. Uh, and that is, in fact, what happened. Um, and, you know, if the company had gone to Greg, it would have continued to be a, lo- a slog for Goose Island, and they still had a ton of problems to solve. And by selling to AB, they solved a lot of those problems. You know, they also created a whole bunch of new problems that come with selling to AB. Um, but, you know, the, but it also uh, makes plenty of sense uh, why he made that choice, especially considering his background, which is, was as a Container. you know a, a white collar finance guy. I mean, he was he was a business guy, you know, through and through. Yeah. So you mentioned the thirty eight million dollars or whatever thirty eight point thirty eight point eight point eight, and this chapter actually was one of the most enjoyable ones that I wrote. We talked a little bit about it before we started the show. Chapter 18, it doesn't count as a sellout until you hit $40 million. <laughs> and the tweets that ensued after this. Yeah, it was, uh, that was a fun one to do. Um, just <laughs> digging through the vitriol and the response um, across Twitter and across, um, you know, various social media and um blogs i mean it was just it was such a it's easy to forget now eight years almost is it yeah eight eight years almost on but it was such a a holy shit moment you know i mean it was just yeah 
Anheuser-Busch had bought a minority stake in Red Hook and a minority stake in Widmer in the 90s. But this was, you know, Darth Vader buying all of whatever, Luke Skywalker. I'm not enough of a Star Wars fan to see that one through. But, you know, it was the first time Anheuser-Busch had the big bad bully of American beer had bought 100% of an American craft brewery. And as I say in the book, for years, AB and craft beer were parallel lines. Uh, and with that sale, the lines had intersected. And it was just, it was a stunning moment. And that's what that chapter is meant to reflect is, is all that. And now it's, you know, AB buys a brewery. It's like, oh, there goes, you know, there go those guys again. But in 2011, it was really unprecedented. It was just like, holy crap, what just happened here? Well, it's a little bit later in the book, but I love when you uh, quote uh, Greg Koch, Coach, and you mm-hmm. say, uh, you know, Anheuser Busch, uh, InBev, um, you know, he became fond of saying was the Borg. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I wasn't like a huge Star Trek guy, but I definitely got the reference. And yeah, uh, everybody gets that. <laughs> you know, you can you can say they're evil, they're not evil. They're just they're just consuming. They're just growing, and they just grow, and they consume, and they just keep going. I mean, it's not really about good and bad. It's just about business and and and. But then right above that, I think you you say uh, uh, if somebody if, if a corporation were a person, they would be like uh, a, a psycho or a pathological, like without feeling or something. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that was not me making that comparison. That was a documentary called The Corporation. But I thought it was just fascinating and sort of shed some light on. Anheuser Busch's move into craft beer. Yep. My, uh, yeah, I didn't mean to misquote you. Yeah, that's. Oh yeah, no, no, that's okay. I, uh, and I thought <clears throat> the interview with Greg was really interesting because, you know, Greg, the founder of Stone Brewing, is you know he's he's typically one of the uh, he's one of the outspoken guys, and he's in the process of suing. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. Um, and he's super rah rah craft beer and big beers the enemy and all that stuff, but he was. So I was really looking forward to that interview, but he was also very dispassionate about the whole thing, which I was really surprised me, but also sort of inspired how I looked at it a little bit. It's like, he's basically what you just said is it's, it's it's not that big beer is bad. It's that big beer is big beer. And this is what they do. And, you know, And that's, he made the comparison to the Borg and it's, you don't get angry at the Borg because the Borg is the Borg. You just resist the Borg. And that (laughs) was really, uh, uh, sort of impressed with, again, how dispassionate he was about the whole thing. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't personal. It was business, you know, and that's really what this is. It's, it's, yeah, it's beer, but it's business. And that's why it drives me a little crazy when people, uh, most notably, AB, when they're just trying to like blend into the crowd, you know, it's like, hey, man, we're cool craft beer people, too. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, hey, man, it's beer. It's just it's supposed to be fun. Um, and that's a cop out. It's 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 yeah, beer is fun, but beer is also business. Um, and that's that's why AB is getting into it or has gotten. We had an interesting experience uh, this past summer at a brewery. The three of us did. Um and I won't say the brewery, but a Northside <laughs> brewery where they had their, I think it was an anniversary party. Fifth year anniversary It's party. Only Child. We can say their name. It's Only Child. Is that okay, about? so Only Child. <laughs> right. In Gurney. Yeah. Yeah. Where we went, we went 
for the party. Had a great time tasting a bunch of good beers. And we're sitting towards the back. Um, Josh, I'm sure, have you been there? I've not, actually. Okay, It's so a really, you, it's like, it's a very, very small brewery. Um, it could always be a nano, really. And in yeah, the, it's just in the back long... of all the, the fermenters, and here comes the owner. Well, no, one of one of the one of the bar people carrying a case of Miller Lite. She was carrying it out to the back, the garage out back, out back. So, mm-hmm. so, so they put this in and a cooler. Like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> they put it in a cooler, and you see the owner go back there with a tall stein, basically. Well, do you remember the T-shirt the owner was wearing? No, oh, he was wearing Miller Lite. Was shirt. it a Miller Lite shirt? It just said light, but yeah. it was a Miller stein. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So go ahead, Jed. Yeah. Well, I mean, we when we thought. We're like, what is, are they back there drinking Miller Lite? You know, we're the the three. Well, if we had Adam's yeah, wife. Well, us suckers are drinking their double IPA. Well, it we're like going through your book at the time, and we're like, well, I'm done with this big beer, you know, <laughs> and just all fired up. And, <laughs> and but we we got the answer. We asked we asked uh, whatever her name is Charlotte. Old, I remember Charlotte. Yeah, I still got a card with the pink hair. And you know we're like, what's going on? We're, I mean, we're here for your anniversary party. He's wearing a light shirt, and he, and now we see that you've got a twenty-four pack out back, and they're all drinking it. So what's the story here? And the answer we got was, you'll see this across almost every micro nano brewery where they brew their beer. They love it, but at some point, enough is enough, and we just want to drink a beer and not have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I just was reminded of this when you were when you were just talking about, you know, beer being a business. Yeah. You know, they're there to 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 brew good beer, and they're doing a very good job of it. Only Child has some fantastic beer, and, and charges seven or eight dollars. Yeah, yeah, and charges <laughs> seven or eight dollars per it, per pour. It was kind of a weird moment, though. Right, but it put, it gave us perspective. That, that would make me feel shitty as a customer, honestly. I think I'm here I, to support you on your anniversary, and you're back there drinking Miller Lite. So why don't I just go home and drink some Miller Lite? Yeah, it was well, it was weird. They weren't just we drinking it; they were back there shotgunning it. Pretty much, yeah, they were, yeah. Yeah, they were slamming them back there. And yeah, I mean, it, it it wouldn't have been quite so bad if he wasn't wearing the light shirt to his own <laughs> anniversary party. But, yeah, that's kind of it's kind of weird. I don't know if that's uh, completely super duper punk rock or just kind of lazy and thoughtless of the the, the customer. Um, well, yeah, I don't think he gives a shit, really. But I mean, no, he doesn't seem like a guy that gives a shit. No, not at all. I mean, and if that's what they do on a daily basis, you know, that's fine. They may, they do make good beer, but it really, it all of us were like, "Wow, this was a fun party." And now I kind of feel really weird about being here. We but it really puts that in pers- into perspective. Step back there, yeah. Well, but Josh, you just you just wrote an article about how much you love Miller Lite, right? Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I wrote an article about how I prefer it to Bud Light. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah, I, I, um, the, uh, the, uh, occasions where I actually want a Miller Lite are pretty rare. I mean, if I'm, I'm all, I mean, what am I drinking now? I'm drinking a 4.7 lager, you know, Miller Lite is a 4.5 lager. Right. Um, I'm going to generally drink a, yeah, I like, I like light lager too, but I'm going to generally drink something that tastes better than a Miller Lite. I don't, I don't understand why brewers, um, you know, I mean, drink what you like, you know, I, brewers love Miller High Life. I don't get it. I don't care for Miller High Life at all. I, yeah. I, again, I do think I prefer Miller Lite to Miller High Life personally. Um, and then, you know, there's other good macro beers. I like, I like hams. I wrote an article about hams. That's good stuff. 
Josh, if I could ask you another well, last question about the book, um, near the, the end it says... Let me throw one more other oh, yeah, thing out there. Um, I think it's also important not to sort of fetishize, um, and we, you know, we're probably all craft beers, drinkers do this to a degree, and maybe I implicitly do it with some of my writing, I don't know, but to fetishize like craft beer and craft brewery owners, I mean, there's, you know, there, there are some, some of those people are assholes. Some of those make people make bad beer. You know, it's like just because it's quote unquote craft or quote unquote independent doesn't mean it's good, obviously. And I mean, that sort of goes without saying, right? But it's also, I also feel like in the craft beer versus big beer narrative, we do sort of like idealize what it means to be craft beer when in fact, you know, sometimes that, 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 let's put it this way, sometimes that can be more meaningful uh, in a positive way uh, for some people as compared to others. Yeah. Well, I, but I think that gets back to people want to identify themselves with something they're proud of and something that they think mm-hmm. is unique and, and stands for something and has, you know, some, some, yeah. you know, integrity or, you know, whatever word they want to define it by. And I, I think sometimes it's hard to, you know, I mean, I struggle um, very much so with the commercials and the marketing these days that are um, making me feel bad for caring about taste. And dilly dilly. Yeah. Like I, I really. <laughs> I really get upset with that because it's like, listen, I don't, I don't want to come into into a room and be a snob and make somebody feel bad about what they like drinking. But at the same time, I don't think I'm a bad guy either for looking for something more. Like, um, and then on the flip side, when you go and you market, you know, like the copper lager differently, um, it just kind of it's like you're playing both sides, and it's just like, oh, they're just, completely playing both sides. I mean, the off. the the initial pumpkin peach commercial, uh, you know, during the Super Bowl back in whatever that was, 2015 or 16, I think it was 16, um, happened three weeks after they bought a lesion. So it's like, okay, this is what it's come to. Uh, Anheuser-Busch is mocking craft beer and they're buying craft breweries. That is what Anheuser-Busch is. Um, Yeah, they're they're really as a company forever talking out of both sides of their mouth. Um, But they're also so big that they've, you know, there are many masters to serve. So you know, intellectually it makes sense, but then I think then the question for the consumer is, well, is that who you want to give your money to? Right. And if you do, then fine. But just at least I, I feel like my role and what the book is, is just hopefully the, the means to have the conversation, you know, it's like Anheuser Bush just doesn't want you to think about those things. And I'm saying, Hey, let's think about them. Let's talk about them and then just make an informed decision. And if you want to drink nothing but Bud Light and a lesion, God bless you. But if you want to, you know, go drink only child and half acre, then that makes some sense too. Yep. Well, I would ask you, I mean, can I call it goose or whatever the, it doesn't even have to be goose, whatever the brewery is, if it's made somewhere else. I mean, it, you know, many times this is mentioned in the book, but uh, specifically near the end, it says much of the beer from the, from the nation's second largest craft beer company was coming from the same tanks as Bud Light. And like, can we still call that goose Island? Do we know that the ingredients haven't been, you know, replaced by cheaper ingredients? Do we know? How do I know in the future that you don't? What's really made in Chicago yeah. and what's really? I mean, how do I know that someday they you, don't want to scale up BCS everywhere and I don't know where it's getting made? I mean, I you don't know and you're not supposed to know is is the short answer. And do the labels really on that, that simple? Do the labels make a difference where it says uh, brewed bottle or does it say bottled in Chicago or bottled in? 
What's their other location? No, it doesn't. There's they don't make any distinction. There's no. There's no. They used to. You have to know how to read the label to be able to tell whether it's made by Goose or made by AB. But it's on very fine print on like the back of the label. Uh, Basically, if it says made by Goose Island, Chicago, Illinois, that means it's made by Goose Island in Chicago. If it says something like Goose Island, Chicago, Illinois, Baldwinsville, New York, Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, uh, and then there's a couple other breweries, but those are the two big ones. The AB breweries where it's made Baldwinsville and Fort Collins. Um, if it says Goose Island and has basically cities other than Chicago listed in addition to Chicago, then it's made by AB, not in Chicago. But there's no way you'd ever know there's no way that 99.9999% of customers could tell right. when standing there in the grocery store, which is when most people make their shopping decisions. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But those of us that, those of us that are in the know, if you're, if you're in the grocery store and you're looking at labels, is there, is there a, on a federal level, is there a requirement for a beer that's brewed in say Fort Collins and can they throw a brewed, or bottle in Chicago label on it, or does it have? If it says Chicago, it is for Can sure. It? We know it's brewed in Chicago. Uh, well, they get tricky with that, honestly. And you may not know the. I don't I mean. I'm just. This is just a curiosity question. Yeah, I, no. I mean, there's kind of goes beyond the book. Get into it in the book, and when they do this with all the breweries that they bought, there's um, a good example is uh, Golden Road, which is in Los Angeles, and trying to remember the exact uh something like it's it, it's like their wolf pup ipa and it says on the can in big letters golden road los angeles but the beer is made like 300 miles north in an anheuser-busch brewery so they can they could mm. put you know los angeles or chicago or new york or mars on on the front of the can it's the fine print is where the truth lies um and yeah they're they're playing fast and loose with that kind of marketing all over the place with their craft brands but there is there is so what so what i take from that is there is some truth in the labor labeling then uh that they're being honest in the labeling yes uh not Sounds like they're trying to hide it. Know how to read the label. I mean, it's they they will do everything they can to sort of associate the beer with a particular place. With Goose Island, that's Chicago. Uh, But in the fine print in the back, if you know what to look for, then you can see yes, it is made by Anheuser Busch. Um, But it'll say on the front, you know, Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, and then it'll say on the back. Next time you're in Chicago, swing by the brewery and say hi, 1800 West Fulton Street, and that's a beer made by Anheuser Busch in New York. If you, but again, to figure that out, you have to look at the fine print. Is there anybody going against the grain? Is there anybody bigger than just a regional brewer that's, you know, trying to just be completely transparent and just saying, hey, it was brewed here, but it's great beer. I mean, it's no, no, no. Uh -uh. No. I mean, it's you know, Miller's got one of the great examples of all time with with the quote unquote Blue Moon Brewing Company. There's no no Blue Moon Brewing Company, you know. That's Miller makes those beers. I mean, there there's like a a Blue Moon like little tiny breweries in Denver. There's one at the Rockies Ballpark, and I think and they opened another one in Denver. But basically, there when it comes to Blue Moon, which sells a 
ton of beer. That is the biggest selling craft beer in the nation. Um, uh, there is no Blue Moon Brewing Company. That is a Miller product, 100%. <laughs> it's funny, funny you mentioned that. I was at uh, Chili's, and the, their menu says, craft beer is here. And the, the first one listed is Blue Moon. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Well, you, you the go, revolution is on. It's, it's the, on at Chili's. You go to the Cubs game, and they have like the chalk sign. And it says like craft beer, but it's like shock top and oh yeah, three one two and it's island one two and that yeah. that that gets to why you know the 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 revolution was on. I mean, Anheuser Busch needed craft brands. They needed them in Wrigley Field. They needed them mm-hmm. in the supermarkets and at the concert you know arenas and things like that. And so they didn't have any, and so they had to buy Goose Island. And then they bought nine more, kept on going. I mean, what I thought was in the book was funny. But also surprising to me is that they couldn't have couldn't figure out how to do it on their own. Like they couldn't figure right. out how to make a good beer that craft, well, they, craft would like on their own. Some were better than others. Uh, the problem was that it's just like there's no like compelling craft story behind like a Michelob porter <laughs> made in St. Louis by Anheuser Busch Brewers. You know, it's like right. craft beer drinkers. That's didn't want that identify with something yeah and they would push it out so fast like when they first had goose they just wanted to rush everything to market here and there there was no build-up no connection right and the connection is a huge part of uh yeah. of crap the the uh what's that copper lager right that that's the new one right yeah, yeah. i mean it's oh, it's, yeah, it's very tasty is it it is it's tasty yeah, but yeah, it's it, it, it's it, still it's like but i don't buy it again because you're right there's no connection to that like it's just like it's good, you know. We had to try it though. I mean, I did have to try it. Yeah, it's one of those. It's, their marketing actually worked on me. I was like, oh, <laughs> I like whiskey, and they're partnering with Jim Beam, so I'm gonna try that. That's that's and the next part- one. That's the next one you should look at. You get the whiskey industry. I heard that's pretty pretty messed oh, up geez. too. <laughs> whiskey industry is uh, something else. Yeah, the labels are completely wrong on that. One company makes <laughs> them for a whole bunch of them. But um, what did what did you think of the uh, the Goose Island kickathon? <laughs> Nobody made anything a big PR stunt, a really good one. What what was your thoughts yeah, on that whole thing? A huge PR stunt and a really really good one. Um, I you know I, in some ways it feels like the the most effective thing Goose Island has done since it became part of Big Beer. Um, that was a that was a really it was like the best of craft beer and the best of being part of big beer yeah. in terms of having tons of resources and being able to pull something like that off. And then like, you know, social media, the hell out of it. And it's just like, and they were rewarded for it. They got all sorts of crazy coverage. Did, um, did anybody walk away with anything? I mean, I know everybody missed, but were there any other prizes given out for, I don't know, kicking the guy in the nuts with the ball or something? Like <laughs> I don't know if anybody got give out beer in Illinois. No, they, they donated 20 grand to a Lurie children's hospital, which, you know, okay. Good on them. Yeah. Um, but no, no one made it. So, um, there's a yeah, couple, a couple that were really close that I saw, but for the most part, it was, it was a couple that was left, but they, 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 they got yeah. up there. There were some guys that, yeah, they had the distance, but not the accuracy. A couple of guys were straight, but didn't have the length. The what nut, are we talking about here? The nut hit uh, was the best. <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy yeah, though, was, Josh. Great. I, I give them all credit on that. That that was a fun idea, and it just it caught fire, and it caught fire because it was a great idea. Yeah. Kind of blew my mind reading the book and realizing how much for so long uh, Anheuser-Busch controlled things through distribution. Um, yeah. 
But then I was, uh, Adam showed me your, your Twitter handle and I started following you and, um, how you were talking about recently controlling the message and, mm-hmm. um, and it's like, gosh, you know, the Borg, big beer, AB, whoever it is, they, they keep finding ways to, to control this at, at every, every layer, every, every point. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're really leaving no stone unturned in this entry into craft beer. Um, which makes sense. They're being thorough. And, you know, craft beer is not just about, you know, for, for decades, Anheuser-Busch could just make sort of relatively flavorless beer consistently and then advertise it on TV and call it a day, right? And craft beer is like the the antithesis of all that. Um, and so Anheuser-Busch is very much covering its bases now um, by, you know, wading into all these different things, including beer media and shockingly the beer anheuser-busch's beer media website just so happens to put anheuser-busch crack beer on its best of lists and you know, they sneak them in there you know it's not like the one that you're for sure know they own but they sneak them into like this top five list and that top five list with, and the the biggest issue i would say is the lack of transparency they're not right clear for customers or you know readers uh, yes, this website is owned and operated uh, by people answering to Anheuser-Busch, and these are Anheuser-Busch beers we're recommending. Um, if they were transparent about that, then there'd be a little less to sort of raise your eyebrow at. Um, but the fact is, is that they are sort of quietly promoting these Anheuser-Busch beers on this site that exists due to Anheuser-Busch, and it's... Uh, you know, whether or not Anheuser-Busch directly planted those beers in those lists, I don't know. They say they don't. I'll take them at their word. But the fact that they're there still speaks volumes um, towards, uh, you know, Anheuser-Busch's uh, role in the, in the whole thing and on so many fronts, including the message, you know, the media that we read, you know. So Josh, what if what if you go on a trip, you know, business or you know, family, whatever it is, and, and you, you I want a beer, and you go into a bar and 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 you look at their tap handles, and every tap handle, you know, not everybody would know this, but you know, this is owned by ABM Bev. Like, do you do you stay? Do you order a beer? What do we do? <laughs> is that our future, <laughs> where everything is owned by AB? <laughs> I think the, the good news is that there. I think that, yeah, in a handful of spots, you'll probably see that. The one place that people, you know, like uh, at Wrigley Field, for instance, um, 90, you know, and until this, like things started to thaw a little bit this year, but until this year, like 92% of the beer, I'm making that number up, but it is a shockingly large amount of the beer poured at uh, Wrigley Field was Anheuser-Busch beer. Actually, it's probably more than that. It was probably 98%. Like, they stopped sending Old Style through the the aisles with the vendors. And the vendors were carrying Bud Bud Light, Goose IPA, and Goose 312. Yep. Mm. Um, that did start to thaw a little bit this year. There's some Lagunitas handles there now, which is good. I'm pro-diversity, pro you know? I, like if it was all Lagunitas, that would be bad, too. Um, right. <laughs> Uh, but I went point to is, one Cubs is game. And they had Daisy Cutter. 
There are, yeah. yeah, there's one place where you could get Daisy, Daisy Cutter cans, and there's one. one booth where you could get Fist City on tap from Revolution, <laughs> which is what I tend to drink when I go there. Um, um, there are, you know, airports are generally seen as an example of places that an AB distributor are able to lock down. So, yeah, you might find some places, and there's a in the book, there's I get into this bar in Seattle that was 100% AB, and that was breaking the law, and they got uh, Anheuser Busch got fined for that. Um, but largely, I mean, you know, we're a nation of 7,000 more than 7,000 breweries now, so it's the diversity is out there. Um, actually, what I'd point to as an example is another thing on my blog that I wrote is there's a beer menu at the United Center, which really caught I was just found fascinating. There were like 45 beers available at the craft beer bar there and i was like sort of looking and i was like wait a second that's an ab brand that's an ab brand that's an ab brand and it wasn't all 45 by any stretch but it was like 21 of the 45 or something you know something like that that the piece is on my website um joshnoll.net if i'm allowed to say that absolutely (laughs) and i think the title of the blog post was uh, illusion, something about illusion of choice. Um, but that's what illusion of choice when, when the critics complain about it, it's, you know, what looks like a whole bunch of breweries being represented in fact, is ultimately one beer company. So that, that was the United center menu is really a stunning example of that. It wasn't all of them, but it was like this shot. It was like 40, more than 40% of the beer was owned by Anheuser-Busch, but you would never know it by looking at it. Um, so yeah, the casual consumer is not meant to recognize that, will not recognize that, and is you know, will unfortunately will probably fall into the trap. Um, I you know I always just tell people to I'm a big fan of just informing yourself and you know understanding how you're spending your money, and then if you want to buy a Legion Space Dust on draft at the United Center, a product made by Anheuser Busch, not a Legion. Um, then you know what you're doing. But if you want to buy uh, a buckle down beer from, you know, small uh, independently owned, um, you know, by these, these two guys, uh, brewery in the suburbs of Chicago, then do that. Um, yeah. It's so it's, it's, we're not going there to that extreme 100 percent, i don't think generally but it is the 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 waters are uh are cloudy for sure and they're meant to be that that's part of ab's game here oh yeah confuse the message or confuse confuse the consumer consumer, yeah when you go look at the shelf space you know you don't you don't know what you're what you're picking really um what do you where do you see craft beer you know in like in i don't know 10 15 years like what? What do you envision craft beer being? Is it like Jake, the the doomsday guy here, saying it's going to be all one hundred percent AB? Or as long as Revolution doesn't sell the AB, I'll be fine. Yeah, as long as Rev doesn't sell. Or is it you know? Or do we see a? You think we're going to see a bounce back or a pushback? Or like, I don't think you can assume that any brewery won't sell at this point. I mean, well, and one thing we've talked about before on the show is is for part of me doesn't blame any of these guys for selling. You know, like the founders doing thirty percent. You know, right. um, because it's hard. You get you get to the certain size where it's like, oh shit! If I keep pushing, I'm gonna crumble. If I don't keep pushing, I can't keep going. 
you know, yeah, you, yeah, there's a away. there's a tipping point, and that's where most of them end up going. We need money, you know. Yeah, um, I, I feel like people tend not to blame the 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 sellers all that much. I mean, there's some animosity, of course, um, and there was a fair bit of it directed at, for instance, the the guys behind Wicked Weed. You know, they they took some some slings and arrows for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, just for instance, Tony McGee, you know, built something pretty impressive at Lagunitas and he deserves to be a rich guy. He, he, yeah. he built it, he earned it, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate when he, he had gone on Twitter a couple of years earlier and decried selling out and said, when you sell out, you're selling out everyone who works for you and blah, blah, blah. And then two years later, he was the guy, you know, right. then there's a um, check across yeah, the desk from you and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't look too bad. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing is, is, and I try to make that point is, and you know, like the Breckenridge founder uh, decried selling to AB after Elysian did. And then less than a year later, he had sold to AB. And it's just like, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, okay, there's a degree of hypocrisy there. That's plain as day, but also let's put ourselves in those shoes and yeah. someone's offering you a hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, how do you walk from that? Right, yeah. and you've already I mean, invested how much of your own money, and you've already spent how much of your own time and your own blood. Exactly. I mean, they yeah they they've earned it. Um, yeah. It's kind of like being mad at Jason Hayward, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm still mad at Jason. Hayward. He yeah. sucks, but I mean, can I but blame him for speech. signing that check? Right, yeah, he, he gave, gave me this speech. great yeah. motivator. Hey, be careful. That's Chad's favorite player. We know that, right? <laughs> no, I never said that. <laughs> you guys are you guys defensive keep doing this metrics. Too, he jumps up. He's all upset. <laughs> Well, Josh, we want to be respectful of your time here. I know we got started a little bit late, but it is getting late. Um, we've got a multitude of questions left for you, but I don't, I don't know how much time you want to spend uh, spend with us tonight. Um, I would love to, but I'm yeah, we're going on vacation tomorrow, so we gotta oh sweet, oh, rest up and uh, get ready to deal with the kids in the airport tomorrow. <laughs> That's always cool. a fun time. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we go around the horn here? If there's uh, like any like last questions that could be answered quickly so we can uh yeah we'll do speed round go for speed, it speed, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. jake go uh no no questions just thank you josh for coming on i really enjoyed the book um i guess well if i if i can't ask do you do you have plans for uh, another book that's has any parallels to this or just just any other books coming out that um yeah i'm starting to think about my next book um i don't it won't be about the beer industry though but i'm uh still figuring it out but got got ideas i'm kicking around well i encourage um, you to go because we got readers hmm? i would I, I hope you you do find that next one because i i want to read the next one thanks even if it's not about beer absolutely thank you i appreciate that. I, I would totally agree man i i love your writing style i it it held my interest uh it took me a little while to get going <laughs> just because <laughs> i i started reading it in the summer and i've got other things that take my uh take my time but um yeah, you're a fantastic writer. So, well, be honest, be honest, Chad. In order to get you to read his second one, we have to book him for an interview first, and then you'll speed read the second one, like you did this one. I, <laughs> right? That's what happened. I, I read be it honest. all. I did read it all. <laughs> I, I consumed it as soon as I got it. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, so I've got two two real quick questions. One yeah. is, you don't have to answer this one if you don't want to, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you, it anyway. I don't think I've ever declined to answer a question. I'm pretty. Who is your daddy? And what does he openness do? and transparency. So just I'm. Just go for it. <laughs> Do you have any opposition to purchasing Goose Island beer at this point, whether it's BCS or good Green one? Uh, no, I do not. Um, that said, after 
you know, spending all those years working on that book, I uh, try to be deliberate with how I do spend my money. Um, I'm a big believer in small business uh, and small business people. And at, you know, at every turn I've said, uh, you know, we live in an Amazon world and that's how a lot of people buy a lot of stuff and I do too. And it's the easy way to do it. So yeah, please buy my book on Amazon, but I prefer if you would go to your local indie bookstore and buy it there. Um, so I, you know, I've been sort of tooting that horn ever since the book came out. Um, uh, so yes, please, uh, anyone's hearing this and is interested in buying it, please support your local bookstore. Um, and that sort of carries over into my beer buying choices too. Uh, that said, um, you know, I really like bourbon County wheat wine this year. And if I could have found a bottle, which I couldn't, cause I'm not willing to stand in line, but <laughs> you know, if I come across a bottle that is reasonably priced, yeah, I'll buy it. Cause it's, I like that beer. Um, that said, will I, if I'm going to a party, will I buy a, you know, 72 pack of Goose Island IPA? Absolutely not. Cause that, you know, I think that beer is reflects, does not reflect the best of what a craft beer industry IPA is as much as they're trying to continue to position it as that, uh, that's, you know, that'll never be my, my pick on that front. Um, so okay. there you go. <laughs> Well, uh, my other question is just, uh, are, how, how are book sales going? They've Go gone ahead. well. I mean, I, I wish I, they were like Stephen King well, but, uh, <laughs> um, but the book uh, has done well. It's really resonated well. I've been invited to do a lot of, uh, have a lot of conversations like this, which is always fun. Um, and it's, yeah, the whole thing's just gone well and it's sold well and people have been interested. And I think people were really uh, ready and interested, uh, ready for the story to be told. They were interested in the story. People wanted to sort of understand craft beer and the, the, the broader context of like, you know, from scrappy upstart uh, that is a response to big beer to commandeered by big beer and how that happened and what it means. And, you know, it's, it got a review in the wall street journal, which was like one of the, oh, cool. the cool sort of crossover moments. It's like, you know, and what we talked about at the beginning where it's like it, the book can and has appealed to people beyond the hardest core beer nerds and people who are just looking for like an interesting business story. Um, so it's, yeah, I've been, I've been lucky. It's really, it's, it's done well and I hope it continues to, and I appreciate you guys having me on to, uh, Nice. Talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't have a question. I was just going to say, yeah, thank you <laughs> for coming on. Uh, and yeah, like we've both all said, the, the book is amazing. Also, I, if you guys don't, uh, Hop Notes is the Twitter. Um, I actually have it set up so I get alerted when you tweet. So Ooh. I know I know when you wake up and when, when you start tweeting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's always interesting stuff. I mean, every time, you know, even if you're replying to somebody that's giving you attitude, I love watching those ones too. Um, yeah, I actually uh, try to engage with those people less. That's been one <laughs> sort of evolution I've had on the Twitter in the last year or even six months is just like, I don't know. When, yeah, the, someone's bitching at me. I, if they have a good point that is worth responding to, okay. But if it's, you know. What's, what's, their, main com- what's their main complaint? Are you shilling for the big guy? I mean, what's their. Oh, I, you know, I don't know. Just. <laughs> I don't even, Twitter's such a ridiculous 
it is. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a great place, and on the other hand, it's a horrible place. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you again uh, a lot. Uh, we really appreciate it. Josh Noel Noel right dot net. Is that right? Dot net. Correct. Yeah. Dot com was taken. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone tried to sell it to me, and I told him to go get screwed. <laughs> and then uh, hop notes on on Twitter, and of course, uh, be sure to get his book Barrel Aged Out and selling out on Amazon, or preferably your local. Bookseller. So, yeah, yeah, preferably your local. Fantastic read. Excellent yeah. read. Awesome read. Thank you very much. Thanks, Josh. Josh. Have, a good, have a good vacation. Thank you. <laughs> good luck have with the one, kids guys. in the airport. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Bye. So, what did you guys think of the interview? I mean, what, like, just off the bat, Chad, what did you think? Uh, I mean, as soon as we were done, my I mean, the first words I said was, that was fucking awesome. I I thought that I thought the interview went really really well and I thought it was it was well thought out well prepared it was well prepared and but when you're when you're interviewing someone it's not the interviewee that really makes the interview a, a quality piece it's it's the interv- it's no it how do I say that right it's not the interviewer it's the interviewee so Josh, the way he responded to our questions and totally engaged with us, uh, I felt totally helped make that a really, really good piece. I, yeah. I mean, for our first go at an interview, I thought it was great. Yeah, I loved it. Fun. Jake? I want to do it again. I think I know why and why, and, and additionally why I hope Josh writes more is because he's a very uh, easy person to talk to. Yeah, and he's very knowledgeable. He's very professional, but he's also very real and transparent. Um, but he does it in a way that's journalistic. Like he'll give you an honest answer, but he does it in a way where he's not telling you how to feel. He's just giving you the information. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and he didn't shy away from any question that we asked. Nope. No, and that's what I I like about him, and like about his, the book. You know, um, the book really didn't try to push you one way or the other. As we as we kind of talked about with him in the interview, we all had those emotional coasters. But really, when you look at it, he was just delivering us the information. He was telling us, "This is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened." I respectfully slightly disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, all right, but um, I believe that he believes that that's what he was trying to accomplish, and I think for the most part, he did. But if I was to play devil's advocate to that point, I would say that, um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll just make one quick, one quick observation. All right. Just look, and, and I wanted, and I, you know, I thought about saying this to Josh, but we had already covered so much, and I felt like he was so great with many of his answers. I just, I, maybe, maybe if we interview him again, I'll get to, um, but, but think about some of this. Chapter 17, not fuck it up. Chapter 18, it doesn't count as a sellout until you hit 40 million. Chapter 30, you sold out to Big Beer again. I mean, I, I'm telling you. But weren't those quotes from other, like other people said that? But these are the names of the chapters yeah. of the book. Yeah. He's not pulling any punches here. I He's mean, he does, don't get me wrong, he does a great job of presenting not necessarily the sides, but the logic of why this all came together. He does. And and it is a roller coaster of 
opinion and emotion, especially depending on how invested you are in the beer that you drink. Right. Um, or what you think of small business versus big business. Um, but I but I do think, I mean, <laughs> the, chap- the name of chapter two, and I'll end with this, the name of the chapter is they serve you a Budweiser, you take one sip and spit it out and say, oh my God, I'm drinking water. <laughs> I don't think that that is quite necessarily... <laughs> The unbiased journalistic approach that he believes that it is. Yeah, but aren't those quotes from within the chapter? I agree, but that doesn't mean they had to be the titles of the chapter. What do you want him to call him? I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a writer with the talent that Josh. I is. think I think I that can't answer that for you. I, I I don't take that as bias, um, but I take it as drawing from from within the chapter and naming it, and I think it's it it draws an eye, if anything. I, I completely agree that I am, this is just me conjecture. I, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm right. Um, I could most certainly be wrong, but my personal opinion is that there's a little more bias than, than maybe he even realizes. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, if you make a book and you spend that much time and you get to know those people. You've got to develop something. It's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like human nature, natural to develop yeah. something. And I don't. I don't blame him at all. The book is extremely re- well written. Um, you know the, the amount of time he spent. You know the interviews that he did, the the length he went to, the time to, he to spent this. while still going to a job and still having, having a family. Family, yeah, and, it's just. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, it's nuts. What, uh, Chad? You have like what's the one takeaway from that interview? Anything hit you that stands out to you? Like you're walking around going, you know, I didn't know that or, you know, anything. Um, the, I guess the amount of time that it, that it took to actually write this book. And I, I, not that it surprised me really, but to be dedicated to that project for that long. I mean, it took uh, six years, right, to write it. Five, six, seven, years. Yeah. 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 yeah, something like that. Whatever it was, I mean, and <laughs> when I got to the end of the book, and I start, I started looking. I didn't read every page of the eighteen pages of of bibliography. That I mean, that <laughs> that part right there was so impressive to me that he would take the time to cite eighteen pages worth of bibliography. I was. I'm like, well, this guy was really dedicated to this project, and that's. I mean, that was just super impressive. Fantastic point, Chad. I mean, his diligence, how thorough he was. Um, I really enjoyed your question of you know the auth- authenticity of of the situations that he presented, and and you know he it was really fascinating for him to go into detail how essentially what he has to do is ask you know these questions that feel like minutia are just so specific, but while he's not only gathering a story, he's also validating all of these interviews against each other. Well, right. I mean, when he's, when he's creating a picture for the reader by taking, you know, he said that he said he had, he interviewed about 40 people out of the 75, 85, whatever were in that room mm-hmm. um, during that meeting when John Hall announced that the, uh, the goose had been sold or was going to be sold to take, the majority of the people that were there get their stories down to the the smallest little details and then be able to condense that into what 
two pages, not even two pages, was the actual meeting. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a whole chapter on it, but when he actually described the meeting, it was uh, it was right a, a couple of pages. But uh, but to be able be able to take the information that he got from forty people, which is a sh- that's a shit ton of that's a lot of material. It was interesting it, for him to even it, acknowledge what you were saying, Chad, which is like. Yes, this is the middle of the book, but this is one of the most important parts of the book. Yeah. I I mean, I just thought it was fascinating. His answer was really 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 good. And it and it you know, like like he said, to, well, was he uh was he using a microphone? Was he not using a microphone? When you read was it, it cold. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I like to I like to to read something and fully immerse myself into the situation and know just by words on a page, what this, what this, what it, the scene looked like. It it felt to me, and this sort of gets back to the you know those emotions while reading this book, it, it, specifically as an advocate of of small beer. Um, it, it felt like you were there, you know, and you could almost feel upset with the other people, and and that's just a honestly that's a tip of a cap to the author. To Josh, I mean, anything yeah. that elicits motion emotion within yourself, you know, yeah, it's definitely tips of the cap to the author because you're right. It sets it sets the scene. You can also in your mind imagine standing there, you know, crying like everybody else or being upset like angry, everybody else, angry, crying, you know, going off with the people that you were most close with that also work there and commiserating together, going upstairs to get high. Sure, that could have been me. <laughs> um, I mean, it was. It, it was well, very well done. Uh, I think what's really struck me too, uh, as you know, something that you wouldn't know without you know interviewing the person, is I really liked when he described how. So I wrote this book, and and he even made comments like, "Yeah, tear up that page or write this page." Yeah. But I wrote this book. And I had a beginning and I had a middle, but I didn't have an end. Yeah. And I and, and he doesn't know when the end's coming. But then it came, you know. You kind of have a, it had an introspective moment because we had asked yes. him about that, and he's like, "At first, he said it probably shouldn't have taken so long." And then the next thought out of his mind was, "Well, it had to take that long because he didn't know how it would end." And, and that's why and, I respect him, and I yeah. appreciate it because he didn't force this to be done. It was so thoughtful. It was, it was. He waited for the ending to come, and the ending came. Yeah. Yeah. So, I. Thoroughly enjoyed. If you guys have not um, picked up his book, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, you can get it on Amazon, Kindle. Um, you can also get it on Audible if you're, you're more into the listening thing, because uh, Chad doesn't like to read. Um, or <laughs> oh no, 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 no! It's not that no, he's still no. learning to read, right? And you also you have to give him a hard deadline in order to get him to read. Heard, heard. Um, but as as Josh says in the interview, uh, please <laughs> please try to pick it up at a local small. Uh, Small bookstore and support small businesses. So, um, anybody, anything else on the book on the interview? It was fun. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I loved. I loved every minute of it, and I think we'll be doing that more often on this show because that was so much fun. <laughs> and you I know what? I oh, go ahead, Chad. I feel like I feel like this this show just <clears throat> kind of took a, uh, a step of maturation. Ooh. Well, maybe the show I didn't. 
Um, <laughs> I said the show. Uh, you did, you say, did say the show. He did specify the show. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it just reminded me, too, that uh, as we sort of discussed earlier, whether it's at a brewery or at a craft beer store, um, there's such a great community out there. And there's, there's just, I mean, I, I really believe that Josh was just having fun just talking shop. Yeah. It felt, um, it felt, le- I mean, because I watched a couple of interviews and listened to a couple of interviews that he's done. Um, I've, I've read, there are articles out there where he's, you know, talking about things. I felt like a lot of those, I mean, those, they were good, but they were very, very structured, produced. Not that the show isn't produced, but it, it, it felt like we were just kind of talking to a friend about, a cool project that he had done. And I felt like he was very open with his answers. He did say at one point, I've never, I've never not answered a, a question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I said, I, I said, I think I said that a couple of times, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, or I'm, I, I said at one point, I'm not trying to uh, call you out here. And he didn't even blink. He just like, Oh no, I'll answer it. Yeah. And I don't know if other shows, you know, other shows might even censor questions like, nah, don't ask him that. Well, and for anybody that reads the book and has an opinion, um, fuck your opinion. I would definitely <laughs> recommend listening to the interview, not for us, but because we, for his answers, because we asked real questions. These, these weren't like sort of. You these know, are questions that we wanted to know the answer to. Yeah. Because we, we, I mean, I remember when you first, you read the book. You're like, I was pissed. What about this? But but what about this? And what about this? You know? Yeah. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't propaganda in any way. Like you just said, it was. There were questions that we wanted to ask. It we didn't we didn't. Uh, there was no collusion to use a a, a common oh boy, here we go. common word these days. What with Josh and oh, setting this interview up, we didn't somebody. we didn't have Russia's any of the questions. Next. We're in trouble. Look out! I don't, we I we didn't have me. any of the questions vetted by him. No, no, no. And I think uh, no, he had no, he had no idea what he was walking into. He probably would have said no if he did. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, he was he was great, um, especially the night before he's leaving on vacation. Yeah, on a family vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I would have said no. Uh, I can't do it then. I'll get you the week later or something. Well, yeah, you know, if if Chad is correct and that we have ascended to a new level of quality. <laughs> What I would say, what I would say is Josh set a high bar. So thanks, Josh. Yeah, thank you very much for very coming good. on the show. Good. Great stuff. We uh, appreciate it. Um, so I'm done with the beer. I mean, I've I've actually been done with the beer. Yeah, yeah I'm just it. about to the yeah. 19th hole. <laughs> what does that mean? I went on a nerd guys. Um. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, can we get <laughs> something from Spaceballs where he's like, "I'm surrounded by assholes." You know, what, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's a good one, man. I need, I need that. Remind me about that tomorrow. Okay, I'll get that. That <laughs> Um, all right, Chad, for your final pick, one beer. On this. No, 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 no. I'm not done. Go to uh, two beers, Jake. Uh, three, two, five. Three, two, five. All right. And I will, I will add to that. I look forward to going there again. Yeah, I do look forward to going there again. We should put that on the calendar somewhere, too. Chad is eagerly trying to chug this. I'll go ahead. Three beers! Um, um, yeah, I think um, 
Scarlet Fire is really good. It's a good red ale. It's a solid Irish red ale for sure. It's different than you'd expect out of it. I mean, if you like red ales, you're going to like this. Um, I'm going to stay at the 375. Uh, it's, I mean, it's good. I would, I'd buy more of them. Absolutely. You know, very, very, very good beer. One beer. Oh, Chad. You're and we come back around. And I wasn't chugging it just to finish it. I, cause I was talking quite a bit, so I didn't, I didn't put as much beer in my mouth uh, while I was talking. Here we know. Um, I'm going to make a significant jump here. Oh. And oh. I say that because. What kind of new devilry is this? Perfect. <laughs> I don't drink a lot of red ales. So I always try to compare the style, right? And I know that I don't rate red ales um, highly <laughs> very often. But I'm going to go to a, I think this is I think this is really good after All right, it, so again, we started at 3.5. Yeah. And then I stayed at a 3.5. You three stayed five. at 3.5. And now? And now, I think this is an exceptional beer. Drum roll. And then? And then? We should get another And then? You know where my exceptional category starts? Is at a four. So I'm going to jump to a four. I think this is, I think this is a really good red ale. Went on a nerd, guys. Four. Four. It's right. a pretty significant jump. It's pretty significant. But it, it's compared to other red ales, not just other beers in general. So other red ales, this is one of the best ones I've had. Uh, I agree with that general statement, but what I would say is that Untapped does not give us the ability to compare to just beer style. So I don't care if you like it or not. It's all on my head, buddy. <laughs> As in everything. It's all in his head. If I told you everything that was going on in this head. Oh, my gosh. I won't talk nice to you and talk about fornicating with you. Yeah. <laughs> Every day, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm many done. things. You know, I'm many things. Yeah, I'm a convicted rapist. I'm a hellraiser. I'm a father. A loving father. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a semi-good husband. I'm a semi-good husband. Oh man, that was another another episode of the book. Thanks you, thank you again to Josh uh, for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Had an awesome, awesome time doing that. Um, thanks for Tighthead for the good beer. Uh, and Jake, thanks for walking across the street. I, thank you guys. I mean, maybe <laughs> I'm just you know starting a circle jerk here. But, oh boy, here we go. But uh, I, I think we got I think there's some future here in this interviewing. I just gotta do number two. <laughs> well, yeah, but they can both be true. <laughs> That's coming up after we're done here. <laughs> we're going to get a Marco Polo here in about five minutes. <laughs> Freedom! Freedom. Uh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, uh, Beardhoff's dad. Cameras where you can find little links and shit. Man, stop. Are we done? Skull. Gonna hit the button. You done, Chad? Oh, yep. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we're always gonna hang out.